Father God, thank you for making yourself known through your word. Thank you for your precious, life-giving, powerful gospel that transforms us. Uh, Thank you that we know that Jesus not only came and died on the cross and rose again, but that he is coming again. And we pray that as we hear about this more fully um, through um, Paul's teaching to the Thessalonians, we know that it applies very much to us who are still awaiting that day. Please help us, please shape our lives at, at the deepest level through your word today so that we might live in light of Jesus' return. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks, Corinne. So it's 1 Thessalonians 5 and it's the whole verse. Now, brothers and sisters... About times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love, because of their work, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Good morning. Quite a long, full-on passage, but good fun. Good fun because we get to focus on the future and what it means for us in the present. I work at Baker's Delight. Just to show you, I'm going to put on my hat. This is it. Do I look like it? All right. 
So some of my friends who are here have just come from there. But uh, Bokers Delight, we have a health and quality system or uh, called Five Star who come and make sure that we are working up the standard, which is in uh, health and safety, make sure the bakery's clean, making sure the product is up to 100% quality, and all of our paperwork is up to date. So every now and then we get a surprise visit to make sure we are up to standard. Now, sometimes some of us can be uh, not caring enough and not being aware that Firestar could come any time and uh, are very surprised or if not shocked when they come and visit and make judgment. We can be caught off guard because we're not working up to the standard that Firestar expects. So at Bakers Delight, at work, we need to be making sure that we're living up to five-star, right, working up to five-star standard. In the same way, we as Christians need to live in light of Christ's return. So that is not being surprised or caught off guard when he does come back. We need to make sure we are living for his glory, living in faith. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in order to encourage them, to encourage them in their faith, in moral purity, to comfort them, to correct false allegations, to condemn the sluggard, diffuse tensions within the church, to give instructions on how to live, and, pro- and explain prophetic events, most of which he does here in chapter 5. Before he gets to chapter 5, Paul ends chapter 4 by clearing up an issue that are within the Thessalonians. A lot of them were worried that Christ's return would take place before they, before they died and were worried that because they were dying that it wasn't going to happen or they would miss out on the share in their glory when Christ returns. But Paul clarifies their misunderstanding in chapter 5. Even today, people can be too focused on when and how Christ will return. But Paul here directs our focus on not when Christ will return, but on how we should be living knowing that he is going to return. He is coming again someday. Christ will come in glory and judgment. We need to make sure we are living in light of his return. The three parts to this sermon that I want to um, give today is, first of all, to live in expectation that Christ will return. Secondly, to encourage each other in light of Christ's return. And third, to live God's will in light of Christ's return. So let's get into it. Firstly, we need to live in expectation 
of Christ's return. Just like I need to work in the expectation that Five Star will come. The day of the Lord will come will not surprise people. Sorry, the day of the Lord will surprise people in darkness. Verses 1 to 3. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. By this, Paul is saying that Christ's return will be unexpected and unpredictable. If people knew that a thief was coming to their house, they would watch and wait and stop that from happening, wouldn't you? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, Keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But as understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. If you aren't expecting it, if you're not watching for it, Jesus' return will, will surprise you. And then in verse 3, he goes on, Paul goes on to say that, well, people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come. Now, people in darkness are people not living like those expecting Jesus' return. For people who don't believe, the Lord's return means judgment forever separated from God, being denied what we were created for, perfect peace with him, joy, security, purpose, found in a relationship with God, our creator. It will be a shocking surprise. But if we do believe, don't be caught sleeping. That's living like we don't believe, living like those in darkness. If we are caught sleeping, Jesus' return will be a shameful experience. People living in darkness will blindly not expect it. They'll be looking and striving for peace and security in futile ways, putting their hope in false promises that the world offers, such as false religion. Living in the most peaceful place you can think of, maybe Australia. Putting their hope in their career, or money, or medicine. Friends, it's anything that we put our hope in for peace and security other than God and his gospel. It's while we are thinking like this that destruction can overtake suddenly and with no way out. Paul uses the analogy of a woman's labour pains coming suddenly and with no way out to highlight the suddenness and pain that it will be. He also explains the inevitability of Christ's coming. Just as you cannot stop labour when it begins, so too people will not enter eternity before coming face to face with God, our Maker. Okay. I'll put my hat back on. One, that was a few, a few years ago, we thought... It was a couple of days out from Christmas. Now, I was really busy. Of course, when Christmas comes, people are buying more, getting ready for their Christmas events. So it's extremely busy, making lots of food. And 
it's that busy that you're very limited in the time that you have to make sure that the bakery is kept clean, that you're you know, giving enough time and effort in the quality of your product, and keeping all the paperwork up to scratch. But we thought that didn't matter. We, we, we can afford to just slack off a bit, because it's Christmas. They're not going to come at Christmas. They'll be on holidays too. Well, the next day, boom, surprise visit, unexpected. <laughs> we, we have Five Star come in, and of course, we fail miserably, because we're not living up to the standard that they required. We were slacked off. We thought, nah, they won't come. Didn't believe it. And we were very shocked when they came. So, like that, if we're not living an expectation you know, in the light of Christ's return, it will be a shock. It will be a surprise. But the day of the Lord will not surprise those of us who are in the light. We do not belong to darkness. Verses 4 to 7. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. We are not in darkness, so Christ's return should surprise us. We don't know when it will be, but we live in the expectation that it could be any time. He could have come any time in the last two, over 2,000 years, but he hasn't yet. And we don't know if it'll be today, tomorrow, next week, next year, or in a hundred years. But the fact is, he is coming in his time. This should be our hope. This is our hope that we live for. The time we get to meet our Saviour face to face. This is, it is not a day of destruction for us who are in the light. But it's when our salvation is complete. When we experience the full reward of being free, being saved by Jesus Christ, our Saviour. It is the final piece of the gospel that Jesus has already gifted to us when he came the first time and set everything in place. He died on the cross. Now, I'll put my hat back on again. Does it look good? Well, the last time I put my hat on, it was a very sad and sorry story. And uh, one that I'm very ashamed of. But this time, it's going to be a good one. One that I'm proud of. Now, the next year, our boss said, I'm going to give you a reward if you can keep the bakery up to five-star standard and we can pass. I thought, all right. We usually do anyway, but it was uh, um, actually 
we're wanting to do it more now because we wanted to see if we'll actually get this reward. And uh, so we made sure that the bakery was clean, nice, that the product was perfect, so perfect height, width, weight, crumb, baked to perfection, all the paperwork was filled out, no gaps. And then Five Star comes. And it, even though they came, we were like, oh, oh, this is good. Hello, this is a surprise, but this is good because we knew in our conscience that we were up to standard. We, so it was a good feeling knowing that they'd come uh, at the time that they came. And we passed with flying colours, I think 96%. Uh, it was the best we've ever done, and we actually got the reward, so. <laughs> so that was a good feeling. We were living up to standard. We were expecting that they could come any time, so we were making sure that we worked in the light of Five Stars coming. The day... We moved to the next point that to not be like those who sleep but be awake and sober. Spiritually people in darkness are asleep, meaning naive or ignorant to the things of God. This can be due to disbelief or just carelessness and I find a big one these days is busyness. How are you going? Yeah, busy. And if you don't say busy, you feel like you're doing something wrong. And people will, can judge you because you're being slack. Well, everyone else is busy, why aren't you? That's a bad one. I don't think it's a good thing at all. I think it's good when people say that they're, oh, I'm not that busy. I've had a lot of time this week. But anyway. People who are asleep live for other reasons than Christ. That's what I'm getting at. This could be wealth, popularity, family, power, career, worldly achievements or self-satisfaction. The next party. I used to be like this. On the contrary, we should live, be awake and sober because we belong to the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we belong to the light, we need to live in the light. If we belong to Jesus, who is the light, we need to live for Jesus, in him. This is how we can be sober, living in faith, love and hope. Verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith, love, and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. To be sober is to be spiritually alert or aware, to be on your guard. It is to live in the truth, to live for Christ. This means to put on the armour of faith and love and the helmet of hope. 
the armor of faith. Faith isn't just believing, but it's a belief so strong that it affects how we live, how we act. It is a belief that shapes how we live so that when we believe, if we believe Christ is coming again, it will affect how we live and our view on, both, on life both in good and bad times. The armour of love. As Jesus says in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40, that he says that love is the greatest commandment. First to love God with all your heart, soul and mind and then love others as yourself. For these commands fulfill all the law and the prophets. Love, if we love, it shapes how we live. If we have faith, it shapes how we live. If we love, it shapes how we live. But also the helmet of hope. Now the hope is linked very closely with faith. It is the desired outcome of what we believe. Unlike regular hope, it is the certain that is uncertain, biblical hope is certain. Full assurance. And we see this when, from the writer of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, that faith is the confidence that what, we, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Certain hope shapes how we live, giving us confidence and perseverance, knowing knowing that Christ is coming. Being spiritually alert, living in faith, love and hope is what belonging to the light looks like now. It is living in the light of our future. The future when we are with Jesus Christ, our Saviour forever. God did not appoint us to wrath, but salvation. We look at verses 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. When Christ returns, we know that for us who are in the light, our salvation will be complete. But for those in darkness, they will face God's rejection. Our salvation is what God chose to do through Christ. God knew that without Christ dying to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin, experiencing death, rejection and separation from God, all people, that's including us, would be facing this punishment that our sin deserves. We would all be facing this destruction, eternal rejection and separation from God, our Creator. But because God knew that we were hopeless, he sent Jesus to live the perfect standard that he requires, then die in our place so that if we believe and put our trust and hope in him, in his death and resurrection, that we will be saved and be brought back into an eternal relationship with God our creator. God loves you and sent Christ to die for you so that we can have this future hope that when he does return again, we will be with him forever. We know that what God intended and started, he will complete. Verse 10 tells us that every Christian through all of history, whether dead or alive, 
when Christ returns, we'll share in his glory, living with him forever in perfect fellowship together. And this is where he answers the Thessalonians' uh, misunderstanding of where Christ, thinking Christ would come in their lifetime and then being disheartened when people began dying because they feared they would miss out. Christ's return should not take us by surprise if we are living in the light. We not only need to make sure that we're prepared, but also we need to encourage each other. This is the second part of our sermon. Encourage each other in light of Christ's return. This firstly looks like, and I really want to highlight this, acknowledging and respecting our church leaders. I don't believe we are encouraged to do this enough. The church leaders sacrifice so much for us. We need to be praying for them and continually thanking them for their service. They sacrifice a lot for our spiritual gain. They teach us, encourage us, and they pray for us. They care for us. Not only now, and their weeks are so busy, and it's mentally draining, but the preparation in order to become one is is a lifelong journey. And so right now, I want to say thank you to our church leaders. But also we need to live in peace and care for each other. Make every effort to live in peace, even if it means that we don't benefit. Remember to love others as yourself. Treat others the same way you would want them to treat you. We need to warn the idle, those who are lazy and don't care about faith. They're disruptive. Don't participate in gossip and actively, but actively encourage those around us to stop. Encourage the disheartened, those who are struggling, not well, who are suffering for any form of reason. We need to help the weak, those who are young in their faith or those struggling in their faith, who may have doubts and questions they need answered. Be patient with everyone, even those who really annoy us. Make sure no one pays back wrong for wrong. Strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone. Paul's really given given us some hands-on application here and how to live, isn't he? Encourage each other in light of Christ's return so that no one is caught surprised. Just like me at work, I encourage my workers to direct their attention to the reality that Five Star could come. We need to continue to direct our attention and others' attention to the reality and the reason that we live for Christ and his return. Friends, encourage each other to keep an eternal perspective. In a light of Christ's return, living in the light is most importantly living a holy life. Our third point, live God's will in light of Christ's return. God's will or intention from the very beginning was to live in fellowship or relationship with us, with his people that he created for all eternity. It's only through a restored relationship that Christ brings that we can have this. That we can live our purpose to glorify him 
make him known to the world around us. This is possible, for this to be possible, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And I love the fact that, he, that Paul acknowledges the Holy Spirit in this passage as well. Verses 16 to 19. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with content. Gone too far. A spirit-led life is having the attitude of the spirit, allowing the spirit to influence our choices and direct us when he speaks to our conscience. This looks firstly like choosing to rejoice always, even when we are troubled. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, We must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. We can be finitely sad at the same time as rejoicing infinitely. Putting our hope in the Lord as our number one in his future return, that is certain, is how we can rejoice in tough times. Rejoice always. Along with rejoicing, living a spirit-led life is secondly being in communication with God or relating with him, praying continually. This isn't saying, uh, saying pray without a break or praying you know, constantly, not non-stop, but rather developing the habit of prayer. It's being in a close relationship with him, a relationship where we walk and talk with God and share with him all areas of our life from every day. It's about developing our relationship, a closer relationship with God, which is his intention that he wants with us. Thirdly, a spirit-led life is being thankful always. The spirit helps us realise that we always have much to be thankful for, especially when we have him on our side and a wonderful hope for the future. Now I know there's a lot of us that go through suffering and find it hard to be thankful, but we are encouraged and need to encourage each other to be constantly thinking of, remembering the great things that God has done for us and the future that we have. And to be thankful for the good things. Thankful for our salvation and our future hope. Thankful for church. For friends. We have a lot to be thankful for if we actually choose to sit and think about the things that we are thankful for. Back to Philippians. If we go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Paul also says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we are actually thankful to God, he provides us peace. If we live with this attitude of rejoicing, praying, and being thankful, the Spirit warms our hearts to live in the light, loving God and serving him faithfully. And in verse 19, 
it says, do not quench the spirit. Now, to quench the spirit is to block or dampen the spirit's influence in our lives. We do this when we live as people in darkness or living in sin, not living in relationship with God. We also do this when we have a negative attitude towards church or other Christians or ministry. Living a spirit-led life that influences our attitudes is a big part of God's will for us because it helps lead us to living a transformed life. We need to live a transformed life. Verses 20 to 24. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And may the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now the spirit uses God's word to transform our lives. In verse 20 it says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Now prophecies are God's written word, both read and preached. Now at the time that Paul's writing this, there were false prophets going around spreading a different message. And so Paul encourages his hearers to test them, test what they hear to hold on to what is good or what they know is true and don't accept anything else. To treat with content is to not respect it. It's to be okay with any form of teaching. Not testing what is true or false. God's word teaches us how to live a holy life, a transformed life. Obeying God's word gives the spirit ammunition to speak to our conscience, for we know more and more how God wants us to live. Allowing God's word to change us is how we can discern what is good and what is not, and reject what is not good, therefore becoming more holy like God, transformed into his image living more like people of the light. This is how God will sanctify us through and through, keeping us blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who calls you to himself will come for you to take you home with him. He will. And we know that what God says he will do, he does do. God is faithful. Friends, continue to pray for each other and greet one another in Christian love. Make, and very importantly, share this message with each other, the message to live in light of Christ's return. Living in God, living in God's will, being in relationship with him, living a transformed life, being led by the Spirit will help us be ready for Christ's return. Don't be asleep like those in darkness, like Israel was when Christ first came. Just as I have have to work at work, prepared for five stars coming, living in the light of five stars return, in the same way we need to live in the light of Christ's return. 
He might not come in our lifetime, but we expect that he is coming. Whether we die first or he returns first, the outcome is the same. We will be with him in paradise. I always take comfort in Jesus' conversation with the thief on the cross where they're both going to die that day. But he says to him, Friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. So whether we die today or Christ comes back today, we will be with him in paradise. That is the hope that we live for. Live in that hope. Live in the light of Christ's return. Don't be caught surprised like people living in darkness. Live in the expectation that Christ is coming. Encourage each other in a certain hope. We can all be encouraged that when Christ comes, we'll all and all our loved ones in Christ be united forever. Strive to live a holy, transformed life right now that brings glory to God. Prepared for this great day so that when he does come back, he looks you in the eye and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You lived in the light of my return. Now come with me for all eternity. Friends, let us live prepared for Christ's return. Let's pray. Oh God, how amazing is your grace to remember and reflect the love on the love that you have for us, that though we deserve your condemnation, we deserve eternity without you. You saw us in our hopelessness that we couldn't save ourselves. And because you loved us so much and that you created us to be in a relationship with you forever, your desire was to bring us back. And so you made a way. You came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ our Lord, to live the life that we were expected to live but have failed. To then go, even though you're perfect, you went and took the punishment that we deserve for not being perfect and died on that cross. That should have been us, but you did it for us. You died and rose again, defeating death, showing us that when we put our faith and hope and trust in you, when we believe and ask you to save us, that you save us for all eternity that your resurrection will be ours as well Father your love is amazing your grace is amazing and for that we want to say thank you so much thank you for the hope that we have for the future that you are going you are coming back and you are going to take us home to be with you forever may we live for that glory today may that affect how we live May we live in the light of your return. 
Come, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen.